This is the Ag Queen Podcast. Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Lori Boyer. This podcast explores the agriculture industry with the movers and shakers of those shaping it. And today, I am visiting with Carol Flynn. She is the Vice President of Wells Fargo's Food and Agribusiness Industry Advisors. Carol, we get started on our interview today. First, let's talk a little bit more about you and your background. Well, thank you, Lori. I'm so happy to be part of your show. Great work, by the way. I, uh, I'm with Wells Fargo. I work with their food and agribusiness industry advisors. I came by this career um, through sheer um, passion and commitment for the food and agribusiness space in the U.S. I have been a produce broker. I have farmed. I have ranched. I have done business development and ag trucking, and, and one of the most important jobs I had as, was as an entrepreneur doing innovation in ag for Western ag specifically. Um, so luckily, I have also fallen into the opportunity to, do, uh, to work as, in an advisory capacity for Wells Fargo and other banks along the way uh, as I lend some market insight and and some industry dynamics to these amazing teams that serve U.S. Ag. So here I am. I don't know very many banks who have separated departments like that, especially one dedicated to food and agribusiness. Tell us a little bit more about the food and agribusiness industry advisors part of Wells Fargo. Absolutely. We, our team is really the secret sauce behind Wells Fargo's longstanding commitment to U.S. food and ag. We've been the the largest production commercial lender to U.S. ag for some time, and that really has come through multi-generational relationships with leadership along the entire food and ag value chain. But it really requires understanding the unique risk profile that happens with U.S. food and ag across all the sectors. So you can imagine it's not the same in dairy as it is in animal protein, as it is in fresh and frozen vegetables, much less all the distribution, retail, wholesale, and, you know, wherever the consumer either purchases or consumes the food. So it requires a team effort to stay on top of that. And and like I said, I think we're the secret sauce. Okay, I like it. Carol, what are the major drivers that is driving the food business industry today? There's several. I think we need to really be thoughtful of how the pandemic has transformed um, the marketplace. And there's nothing more important to any business than to pay attention to the to the end user. So I'm really urging our farmers, ranchers, agribusiness across the value chain to watch particularly uh, the e-commerce and digital transactions. That's one. Number two, we're really, really watching evolving market, evolving workplace models. We think about where we're working, where we're, um, you know, how we're taking our kids to school or choosing to keep them at home. How are those trends impacting where we consume food? Third, we're really looking at kitchen fatigue. Certainly, at the beginning, we were all looking at, you know, how can we do our own sourdough starters and raise our own chickens and, you know, make bread at home. And it was this wonderful renaissance of focus on what it is to cook at home. But now we have to add in convenience and all the sort of uncertain elements of a very complex work-life balance. So we're having our customers and our all the partners that we work with think about how that is evolving. Fourth and last, and certainly not 
it's really just a, an overall trend that's been amplified. But we're thinking always about what health and wellness means for the consumer. So health and wellness has always meant nutrition, but now it's we're looking more at immune support, functional foods, because the consumer really wants to know to have transparency with their food chain. And so all of our partners in the food and ag space are thinking about how to get closer again to that customer, like I started with, and think about what they're driving towards with this real emphasis on health and wellness. We've also, of course, with COVID seen a lot of food pickup for people who have that kitchen fatigue. I like that term. I'm going to remember that because I am not one to be in the kitchen very much. That is not my forte. So I'm going to use that excuse next time. (laughs) But I'm curious with the food pickup and delivery services that really got popular during COVID and I'm still seeing a lot of, will online ordering and pickup continue? And how do you think that will evolve? That's a great question. I think everyone's watching that really carefully because even though, you know, this Amazon effect had felt a bit gloomy for the retailers and sort of traditional players in the space, and certainly the pandemic did just spike delivery and ship to home services and pick up. I think what we've seen just as this this little fallback into higher vaccination rates and, and a little better sense of comfort, the digital transactions were not the death of the retail experience. It looked like these shopping surveys revealed that even though pickup and delivery just actually fell back a few notches in the last several months because people did want that shopping experience, the key here and probably the answer, though, is that the last question of that survey was, are you likely to use grocery services again? And that increased, even though people were actually using pickup and delivery services less. This is the digital world. E-commerce and Amazon, fact, is here to stay. Um, there, if you ubiquitous, but I think we're going to find sort of a hybrid model somewhere, and people are going to find what feels right to them at the moment. So um, your digital, your pickup service is not going away by any means, and there's going to be lots more ways for us to purchase and get to our food, and at some point, really consume food differently. Restaurants are changing, too, so that's another interesting aspect. When you talked about hybrid ordering, hybrid scheduling, Are we going to see more of that within the restaurant side of things, too? And what would that look like? Well, we've watching the restaurant side carefully as well, and that's been a huge trans disruption, of course. But if you think about the really innovative players in that space, they've simplified menus, they've addressed labor issues with more efficient operations and processing, they've restructured their layout in their restaurants to accommodate really a change in mindset for their consumers. So I think we're going to see a really interesting time for the restaurant industry, a lot of innovation in both operations and probably, you know, in adoption of new technology. But at the end of the day, good food gets customers coming back. And when it's served well, served quickly, and then the experience is good, that always is the bottom line. Going along with that type of conversation, what about meal kits? Will they stay? Absolutely. So easy, some easy stats here, and you could probably add a bit on both sides. In 2017, meal kits 
we're about a 3.7, just under $4 billion business. We're expecting in 2022 to be closer to 12, 12 plus billion. I think meal kits, and I'm not sure that counts everything because retailers are doing fantastic things in amplifying their store departments to either take something home that looks like a meal kit or make something more convenient. I really think the overarching issue there is convenience. So lots of different ways to get meal kits. I've, you know, we've all heard and either tried it ourselves or heard folks that are truly transformed by the experience. So yes, definitely here to stay. And the big thing is convenience. Convenience never goes out of style, but it, it does change. We talked about restaurants and how they're adapting. So how about retail stores? How are they adapting? Well, I think the largest transformation for retail has really been their adoption of e-commerce strategies. And each of them have done it a little bit differently, but they've captured and retained an extraordinary amount of loyalty that way. And they always have specialized in that. If you think about generational loyalty to a certain retail establishment in your hometown or even in larger towns or suburbs, they've done a great job um, adopting those strategies. And, and it probably under you know, under challenging times. I think one of the things we're going to have to watch at the retail level is pricing. And, you know, we're going to see some increase in pricing. It'll be interesting to see where the consumers push back. The supply chain, labor issues, and certainly um, just the cost of raw materials are all going up. So, it, you know, even at this time, we're looking at food prices, packaged food prices at the retail store that are 3 to 4% higher than they were a year ago. So we're going to have to see how consumers respond to that. And what about the outlook for the ag industry in general? Is it a positive one? It is. Thank you for asking that. I think U.S. Food and Ag is a resilient force. They face challenges, and there have been plenty. We can name quite a few of them right now, especially in these times where transportation and labor and supply chain are really punishing margins. But this is a resilient industry across the sectors and across the scope of the value chain, and we're very optimistic about continuing to partner with U.S. Food and Ag. And I want to ask another question. So you've done a great job explaining the Wells Fargo food and agribusiness industry advisors and what you do there and the trends here in the food industry, both from the consumer and the supplier side. So how does this all loop back into your role as vice president in the agribusiness and advisor industry? Oh, thank you for asking. We have to stay responsive to the needs of our partners in the bank and to, most importantly, our consumers out in the real world. And so we're constantly looking for new and better research resources, opportunities to find metrics that are meaningful to our to our partners. And then you know, the, the, our superpower is our teamwork because we have literally decades of experience on this team in each of these sectors I've talked about. Many of these challenges are not new, but maybe there's a new or an innovative way to address a challenge. We never get complacent. Anything else you want to mention here today? Well, I think that at the end of the day, you know, I'd really want to emphasize 
resilience, resilience on all fronts. This has been a very uncertain time for the U.S. and food and the business of food is at the center of all of our lives. So, you know, I think it's been a tremendous opportunity to celebrate resilience of all of us and certainly I'm thrilled and grateful to be part of this industry and Wells Fargo. Thank you so much for taking the time for us today. I want to thank my guests for joining me here today, Carol Flynn. She is the Vice President of the Wells Fargo Food and Agribusiness Industry Advisors. And that wraps up this edition of the Ag Queen Podcast. I'm Lori Boyer.